one of the risks right now for, I mean, like almost everyone is that when you start to get exhausted and burned out, it affects your ability to even see that you are burned out. Hey, everyone. Howdy, howdy, everybody. Hooey. What is with the cowboy hooey? I was talking with my dad and he's a cowboy, so it just yeah, came out. that's this is Cowboy Linda and Drew. And this is At Home. <laughs> this is a show where we chat with artists, experts, leaders, dreamers, and doers on the impact that they're creating in the world, starting right here at home. This is our chance to learn about our relationships with ourselves, our communities, and our planet. Because we truly believe that any difference we want to make out there really does start where we are right now here with ourselves at home. Mm-hmm. And we don't like the whole just surface talk. Like, hi, how are you? Good, fine, bye. We want to dig a little bit deeper than that. Yeah, so this is this is where we can do that because we have all the time in the world, right? Exactly, right here <laughs> at home with you. So, how are you? I am great. Goodbye. Thank you. <laughs> Actually, Get I, back I, here. I am great because this was my birthday this past week uh-huh. and. Linda spoiled me. She, okay, first off, I'm a basketball nut. I've never, I don't have a basketball hoop at the house. So Linda got me a basketball hoop. So my niece, Juno, and my nephew, Will, and me have been out playing nonstop. You have competition. I do. They're really good, actually. For a five-year-old and an eight-year-old, they're really good. (laughs) Yeah, you better watch out. They're going to be dunking on you. Dunking donuts. (laughs) And uh, then we did, I I really just wanted to stay at home, watch Marvel movies and, you know, just kind of veg for my birthday. And Linda helped me do that. So she set up a whole movie night, hot dogs, Canadian junk food, (laughs) um, all this deliciousness surrounding me. And I had a lot of help. Mm-hmm. I had uh, the nieces and nephews and, and Hannah and Wes and Tanelli and everyone pitched in and we gave you your surprise movie night. It was really great. And also in the morning, Jonathan and Zoe came over. Zoe and Linda cooked some amazing breakfast. Mm-hmm. Brunch? Which was, or, well, brunch. I, it was I delicious. Say, I say breakfast, but I didn't realize oh. they were already all over and I, I woke up late being lazy. It was amazing. You got to sleep in, which you hardly ever get to do. So Drew tried waking up early and I was like, no, 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 no. You went to bed so late last night. Um, So he wanted to get up, but I put the weighted blanket on him and he was out Out, for another hour. And so I heard voices downstairs (laughs) and then I heard bass and I'm like, whoa, Linda's voice is not that low. So I came down, it was Jonathan down there uh, with Zoe and Linda. And anyway, so that was a good start to the day. And then we got into all the rest of the, the fun festivities and then, and now it's our anniversary. On that same day? No, today. Oh, that was a funny transition. No, I'm just saying this is a good week. <laughs> so the, it was a week oh, to my yeah. birthday. The previous week was your birthday. Yeah. And now it's our anniversary. We did a good job laying everything all together three weeks back to back. I mean, some people would think that's a terrible job, but I, I like it because... You know, it gives us a solid two weeks of celebrations. Exactly. And for everybody else out there, I just want to say, may the fourth be with you. And with you. Happy anniversary. Happy anniversary. I can't believe it's our third year. Is it three already? Yeah. And it feels like 30. It feels like 40, I was going to say. It has Uh, flown by. But I do feel really great that we found, even though we haven't got back to Italy, to Puglia where we got married, we found a little restaurant called La Puglia mm-hmm. that has food that tastes just like 
that southeast area of uh, Italy. I was like, in, in my head, I was looking at the map, like southeast. Yep, southeast, okay. yeah. It's the heel of the boot. <laughs> but yeah, delicious food. So at least right here, that's, that's my only plan today is to get some food from La Puglia mm-hmm. and uh, act like I'm back in Italy. So you're going to like dance on tables and everything? Did I do that when we were in Italy? You don't remember? On tables? Have you not seen the video? Oh, I'm going to have to go back to the... Wait, what video? The wedding video? Oh, yeah. Are you making this up? Yeah. I, I thought so. I'm like, I do not remember dance. I danced. We had a great choreographed dance. Actually, if you guys want to see that, we'll post that on our social media. We, oh, uh, yeah. So this is how... I can't make the excuse and say we're busy, but this is how... Um, like we're such big procrastinators. We just finished our wedding video. Our One of our amazing editors, Jay Deschamps, he helped us edit an actual wedding video. But this is the like thing. Two, what was it like just the end of last year? Well, yeah, just end of last year. So it took us two and a half years to do it. But the thing is, Jay was fast. He would do the edit and then it would take us oh like four gosh. months to go through. And, and he was doing it section by section because we had... You know, we had people with us for 10 days in Italy. And so we had a whole bunch of different events. And so it's really great in the end. In fact, we're going to post on our YouTube channel, we're going to post a video kind of rewatching. A reaction video to us watching. So you guys check that out. Oh, I might cry. I want to be back there with people. Oh, yeah. It's going to be fun. Um, And we'll recant some of the the moments that you didn't see because we obviously, we had our wedding special on TLC, but Mm -hmm. there was so much else that happened that was just amazing. So just a behind the scenes thing. This is a little, this is off topic, but I'm facing away from Drew right now. It's really weird because like I keep wanting to turn around, but my mic is, see, I'm like moving far away. Anyway, I'm facing a sound wall and Drew, as he's talking, he keeps, he's a hand talker. But at the same time, he's scratching my back. (laughs) (laughs) So So as I talk more, I scratch more on your back. Yeah, and it feels good, but it's really distracting. Oh. But keep going. Oh, okay. (laughs) Well, this is the month of May, and we are exploring the theme of effortless with a variety of guests. And Mm -hmm. this is inspired by our guest today, Greg McEwen, and his new book, Effortless. Mm -hmm. Greg McEwen and his wife, Anna, joined us last year on At Home Podcast to talk about his first book, Essentialism. And he talks about prioritizing the things that matter most. And we discuss the joy of doing less. And if you haven't listened to that episode yet, we highly encourage you to listen to that um, first or after. Um, but this was just such a wonderful follow-up conversation. You know, what I really love about Greg's books, Essentialism, and then his new book, Effortless, is if you put them side by side, essentialism is the pursuit of getting more out of life by doing less. And then effortless is looking at those things that you've labeled as your priorities in life, whatever that might be, things that are essential, and then finding ways to be more efficient with how you do that so that you're not burning yourself out. Mm-hmm. And we're so excited to invite Greg back on the podcast today, on the podcasts. Podcasts. <laughs> Did I say podcasts? Yes. <laughs> Um, yeah, it was just so great to have him back because we want to dive into the theme of how to make doing what matters most easier. Um, and Greg and his new book, Effortless, are what inspired us to take a look at what it means for us to be effortless. I'm just telling you right now, working 24-7 does not mean you're a success. You're overworking yourself. Are, are you tell, Who are you telling yourself? Myself, or? yeah. <laughs> myself and everyone out there that's like me. All the things that... 
it's we're going to get more into this in the episode, but there are so many fallacies out there as to what a successful person is. Burnout is not a badge that you wear that means you're successful in business. There are ways to balance and recharge and enjoy your life and be successful. Mm -hmm. So if there's any book that I could possibly suggest you pick up a copy and check out this year, it is Effortless. And without any further ado, this is Greg McEwen. Okay, if ADT wasn't professional enough, now ADT installs Google Nest products with their smart home security systems because ADT believes the smarter the home, the safer the security. I mean, what are they going to do next? They're, they're going to start a country singing career. I would listen to a country band named ADT. Also, I like to know what's happening at our front door from virtually anywhere with my Google Nest doorbell. Just saying. Your Google Nest doorbell? I said our. He said my. Everybody check that. Yeah. All right. Well, I like to control my ADT smart devices like my lights, my locks. (laughs) My security system with Google Nest speakers and displays. And I like to say, hey, Google, to get started. Listen, I said ours. I'm all about ours, not mine. Help protect what matters most with all this, plus 24-7 professional monitoring from ADT and a little help from Google. Visit ADT.com to see how ADT can help make your home smarter and safer. But just to give listeners some context, we had Greg and Anna on the podcast was it a year ago now? I think it is, which oh, is a little over. weird to think about. That. I know. We had read Essentialism, Greg's first book, and um, it completely changed, changed our, lives. our lives. Essentialism was sort of explaining for us how to focus in a little bit and get more out of life by doing less. And that's something that I really needed to focus on. At the time, though, you said to us that, because I asked you, I'm like, well, so you have another book on the go, what's happening? You're like, no, 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 that's essentialism. Right now, this is the focus, this is my book. And then here we are, you know, whatever, yeah. a year and a half later, whatever it is, and you have another amazing book that fits perfectly together with essentialism. Can you tell us about the differences between your two books and what brought you to the second one? Well, first of all, that's a nice, everything you said was lovely. And, uh, and I mean, I think of essentialism in one word is prioritization. And mm-hmm. effortless in one word is simplification. Right. And what brought me to it, um, I mean, one of the things that brought me to it was seeing that essentialism was necessary but insufficient. Uh, I was being more selective than I'd ever been, but I still found myself with sort of like, let's say, cracks in a theory we're starting to see it's like if you if you remove all the non-essentials what happens if you still have too many essentials mm-hmm. and you know you've you've heard the old phrase before of the the, the, the big rocks theory mm-hmm. where you okay if you put in the sand first and then the small rocks and then the big rocks then it won't fit in mm-hmm. and if you put the big rocks in first and then the small rocks and then the sand then it all fits in that's how it's supposed to work mm-hmm. but i found myself at a place going well what if you have too many big rocks? That, then your name's Drew. <laughs> and Greg. Yeah. And Greg, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's right, actually. And, and so what, what do you do then? Do you just drop, do you say, well, it's essential, but no, I'm not going to do it. And in the midst of that semi, um, just like conceptual conversation, 
I then get a phone call from my son. I was traveling and he's on Anna's phone and it's like that all that just grabbed my attention right away. Like that's not, that wouldn't be normally what would happen. Mm. And it's in the middle of Eve having this massive tonic clonic seizure. And she's suddenly in the midst of this enormous health crisis and nothing else is, is all the, the essential responsibilities continue. Yes, you can remove even a, a few more things, but actually you still need to be able to do a variety of things. And I just found myself sort of hitting a wall, running out of space. Mm-hmm. And it, fortunately, what emerged at that time for me were like, there's two paths. There's two ways to deal with this situation. Uh, you can deal with it by taking the heavier path uh, or the easier, lighter path. And actually, it wasn't obvious. It sounds like it'd be obvious which ones to take, but the heavier path seemed like the one we were about to go down because that's, you know, just call every single neurologist all over the world, find out what's happening, read every article, stay up all night, do, you know, doing the heroics mm-hmm. seemed like the thing you ought to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but fortunately, we just felt like the other path, that the lighter path, where you just kind of try and make sure you maintain your state of sanity uh, and, you know, be grateful in the moment and sing together and laugh together and go walks together and just maintain a certain culture is what gave us the energy to get through this. It was a more sustainable path. And so, I mean, all of this is just the, just the context that, that I, I felt like what I experienced when I went through that and then the journey I went on afterwards to try and understand more about like, how can you make life a little easier? Not giving up on the essentials. So how mm-hmm. can you make the essentials themselves as effortless as possible uh, was, you know, what sustained me, sustained us. And and now, uh, you know, the book comes out of that research as well. So, And, and I assume with, with your daughter, uh, when, when she was having her seizure, I assume when you took that lighter path, it still gave you that space to talk to the professionals who were able to give you guidance and whatnot, but you didn't burden yourself with the loss of sleep and the stress and really running your 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 relationship down and, and everyone around you. Um, so you still got you still did all those things you had to do, but you were able to do it with a better mindset that was more positive for your daughter. Yeah, that's right. Because because I mean, the, one of the relationships I explore in the book is is like these three concentric circles of state, action, and results, and how one informs the other. Mm-hmm. And so, if you get in a state of suffering, um, okay, why is this happening to us? A state of exhaustion. I, I, if I'm not exhausted, I must not be doing enough for 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 E for this. If you get into that state then it affects your ability to even discern which actions are necessary and which aren't. Mm-hmm. And so and you could get quite easily into a situation where you burn out before you get the results you're actually hoping to achieve. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so this is like I would call like sort of the, the suffering cycle. The alternative, what I'm trying to articulate here in Effortless, is that if you can get into an effortless state, then it helps you to even know which things are necessary and which things you can simplify and get rid of and not even bother about. Mm-hmm. And and that that in several cases that was exactly what led to her being able to be treated mm-hmm. and and to 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 find ourselves on the other side of this, which is, you know, two years later, and mm-hmm. she is as of this conversation really fully back. Great. Um, 
but you know, out of it, learned that there really is a different way to do life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm still, you know, I'm still learning a definite learner about this, but I, but I, I am grateful for what I've learned so far. Well, and we're grateful that you're sharing with everyone what you continue to learn. Yeah. And we love the way the book is organized into those three sections, effortless state, effortless action and effortless results. Cause as, as you said, it's a continuous practice, um, especially in times of crisis. Um, that is when you need it the most, but that is also the time when, you know, you are most likely to slip back into those habits of like states of suffering and cycles of suffering. Can you walk us through, you, you kind of touched on it with your experience with Eve, but can you walk us through each of these sections um, and some of the tools that you share in each of those states? We have been studying for the record, by the way. You can see we have many, many notes on all the pages. But uh. First of all, I have to say, though, before all that, it's so fun to see the actual book in your hands because it just barely came, right? Yeah. Like, so, like, I am holding this for the first time and most of the people I'm talking to still don't actually have it. I love that you do. That makes me thank so you happy. for sending us thank the you copy. So much. No, no, no. I'm 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 happy that it's that it re- that this reached you and and uh, yeah. I mean, effortless state. I, I've mentioned what it's not. This state of suffering. So you know, it's where you're exhausted, you're burdened, you may be holding grudges, you're angry. I mean, that's that's one state, and a lot of people spend a lot of time there. Uh, and I think everyone has experienced the effortless state, but it's often that we only sort of, you know, I don't know, we, we, we arrive there, we pass through that state. It's there, you know, now and then. Mm-hmm. And the state is where you're in a state of physical rest. Uh, it's when you're uh, emotionally at peace. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you're, you're in a grateful state. You're... Um, that's this effortless state. You're at ease. Mm-hmm. You're not forcing anything. You're not running from anything. You're just here and present and can focus on what's, you know, what, and, and this, everyone's experienced it because I think it's actually our natural state. Mm-hmm. It's who we are when you rid us of all this complexity. So there's all this emotional complexity, all this exhaustion and stuff that we live with, and that clouds our mind. And even literally, we've all experienced foggy brain Mm-hmm. Where we just can't quite see clearly or think clearly, and mm-hmm. uh, and and one of the risks right now for when I I mean like almost everyone is that when you start to get exhausted and burned out, your it affects your ability to even see that you are burned out. Yeah, and so in some ways, I think right now there's only like two types of people in the whole world right now, and that's people who are burned out. And people who know they are burned out. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I think with the pandemic, a lot of us are feeling the burnout. Yeah, like a lot of us are feeling the stress. I think so because because even if we can say, which I think lots of people can say, that the last year has been a really good year. It's been a great year. Even if we can say, look, the great results have happened. Look at these things. Even for those people, it's often come at the cost of grinding effort, and so they've got through. But now as they're going through this, this transition period, they're entering the transition period with a lot less reserves inside than maybe they had mm-hmm. before. Right. So, I mean, you asked, like, how can we, what can we do about it? I mean, there's, there's obviously a few things one can do. But one thing I, I totally swear by now is a little new uh, habit that we've established, a habit recipe, to use uh, um, BJ Fogg's term for it. And it's this, it's like, 
after I complain, then I will say something I'm thankful for. <laughs> That's it. When I started doing that, I noticed immediately that I complained way more than I realized. <laughs> mm, interesting. And I don't think of myself as a particularly complaining person. I feel like I'm quite optimistic, forward-looking, you know, thankful even. But I just was amazed at how easy, you know, I, oh, that meeting took longer than I thought. Oh, this thing didn't work. Oh, that, you know, find the kids doing something that they shouldn't be doing. So you can just complain all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, we're going to have to try that because I, I bet you we're the same as you or we think we're pretty positive people and optimistic people, but I, I guarantee there are a ton of those little things like, can you believe blah, 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 blah. Oh, I can think of like 10 things I've said today, <laughs> even like just in, internally, you know, to myself. Right. Um, not even out loud. Um, but just to be clear, so that habit recipe is the, um, the X is the complaint, is the Y in response to that complaint. But if you're saying like, oh, the kids are acting up again, is the gratitude portion of it in relation to that complaint or should, can it, it be? It doesn't have to be. Yeah. Uh, there's, we've done it both ways and, and both ways seem to work. So sometimes it's nice to say something thankful about the thing you complained about so that you see it in mm-hmm. better mm-hmm. perspective. Yeah. And, I, and I think if I had to say that slightly bigger return on your investment, but we've had it where people would just say something random after they've complained that they're thankful for. And it still works because it still restores the energy you just took by mm-hmm. complaining. Mm. It still reminds you, oh my goodness, yes, of course, there's so much going right. There's so much good in the world. Yeah. And we started doing this in the midst of Eve's you know, sickness. And that was so vital, like life-saving, soul-saving, mentally-saving practice. And we've just sort of carried it on now. So when the pandemic hit, it was quite natural. I mean, we'll, we'll I remember insisting our children did it, like introducing it to them. And one time I was talking to my son about it and, and he'd complained about something. And I said, well, okay, say something you're thankful for. And, and he, said, uh, he said, well, I'm so thankful. The dad wants to play this game. Every time I complain, I have to say something I'm thankful for. <laughs> and he said it, and and we all laughed. <laughs> and and it was like, yeah, it works even then. Yeah. Like it, it, it that's that thankfulness <laughs> is that powerful. You yeah. can't be in a complaining state and a thankful state at the t- same time. You can't be in a state of grudging anger and thankfulness at the same time. So the moment you introduce thankfulness, your your state is improved. It's not the only thing we need to do to get into an effortless state, but right. it is one thing I've found to be exceedingly fast <laughs> in being able to sh- shift the state. This is going to be good. I'm going to incorporate my sarcasm into our oh, thankfulness. Oh, gosh. <laughs> well, I, I liken that to um, ice cream, actually, because if I'm upset and this did happen and Drew you know, gets me ice cream. I'm like, now I can't be mad. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. This doesn't belong in the same picture. (laughs) So I like that habit that, I mean, that's a, that's a really great habit. uh, And we will start practicing that. Um, You also uh, talk about another short for an effortless action. um, The idea of simply looking at what these different priorities are that are in your life and simply ask yourself the question of how can this be effortless? So it starts to create this, um, you, you, you get your creative juices flowing to figure this thing out. This is might be my f- kind of favorite place to start on on trying to be more effortless in my own work. It, it's, it's the closest I've come 
to discovering magic in my life. Mm. Uh, like the you've heard this before, right? The question is the answer in life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so often the questions we're living from are invisible to us. They're like in the back of our head, and we're just living out answers that we and we don't even know the questions. And so there are all sorts of unhelpful questions we ask, like, well, you know, how can I? work twice as hard to achieve twice as many results. I mean, that that's a, that's way back there. We're not consciously asking that question, mm-hmm. but right. now our life, if we want better results, we just immediately start working harder Definitely and harder and harder. Yeah. It's fine if you're not doing anything, but if you're already a, a high performer, you're already an overachiever, this is not a very helpful question. Mm-hmm. So you can inverse it fast by asking that question. How could this be effortless? I was coaching somebody through this one time. She's a manager at a, a university. She's the kind of person who's often in this kind of state of suffering without really ever meaning to be, just because she thinks if I'm, this is like one of the ideas in the back of her head is, if I'm not exhausted, I'm not doing enough. Mm-hmm. So it means she's like guilty. Even if she eats lunch, she feels guilty. Mm. She's up till 4 a.m. in the morning photoshopping for a a youth activity at her church the next day, no one's asking her to do that. That's just a a mindset she's caught that that's what she should be doing. That's how she has to live. And so it it comes out into her actions and the results she gets. So I said, look, start asking this question. How could it be effortless? That's the one thing. I don't, don't worry about anything else. Just change, ask that question. Next time someone asks you to do something, you ask the question. So a, a professor calls her up next day, says, I've got this, uh, can you come and get your videography team to come and video our class all semester? And she's just ready to jump in like she always does, overachieve. We're going to get multiple members of the team. They'll get multiple angles of the room. We're going to add music, intros, outros, graphics, the whole thing. And then she remembers, okay, no, I'm supposed to ask this question. She does and, and instantly finds out that this is for one student mm. who is going to miss a few classes for an athletic commitment. And and so uh, the solution they come up with together is like another student will just record it on their phone and just, you know, yeah. email to him whenever he's not there. So much simpler. Professor's so happy with that. And she just comes off the phone and goes, what happened? Like, how did I almost spend four months with my a whole team doing this mm. when I could have just asked a question? Like, and it just shows how there mm-hmm. is what I would call tons of low-hanging fruit behind this new question mm-hmm. where, 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 and every day, I mean, I've got so many things that are more complex than they ought to be in my life, but every day I just keep on asking this question or Anna will say, when I say, listen, I got this thing, it's big, I want to do it. And she'll say, well, how can you, how can you make it effortless? Mm-hmm. And answers come. Yeah. It's, it's, if you ask a new question, you get new answers. So I, I do think it's an especially powerful question. Yeah. Mm. Why, why do you think we as a culture we put so much emphasis on working all the time and, you know, mm-hmm. we say like, oh, I'm so busy with, with pride. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like, where does that come from? I think that there's part of the guilty parties with this started with like the Puritanism movement that made up a key component of Americana that said not just that work was a virtue, which I think it is, they went beyond that to say, well, ease is a vice. And so it, it sets up this false dichotomy between ease equals low, la- lazy, 
poor values. We even say it now, mm-hmm. easy money. Whereas on the other hand, we, we well, your blood, sweat, and tears. That's an hard honest day's work. work. That's a hard yeah. day's yeah. work. Or it's too hard easy work. to be true. Yeah. Yeah. Too easy to be yeah. true. Exactly. So our language shows that there's this bias. And so I think that's one of the reasons. And then add on to it the Industrial Revolution where you, you, you just basically learned, we learned that there was a way to increase productivity. That's to build these machines, these factories, and they increased productivity by 50 times. I mean, it, it worked. But then we applied those lessons to humans. And mm-hmm. so you have this now this sort of toxic combination sometimes where you just go, the harder you work, the better it is. Mm-hmm. If you can do it 24-7, that's even better because, you know, so treating humans like they're machines, like they're factories. And, and all the while, this is not, this isn't supported in the research uh, on what humans actually need to thrive. The, the humans need rhythm, times of pushing forward and then times of total relaxation. And so working and being competent and pushing yourself forward, is a, that's competence. The, that's a, a thing we need to learn how to do. I want to teach my children to be able to do that, yes. But mm-hmm. so is relaxation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Relaxation is a responsibility. It's its own competence. And for many overachievers, they actually don't know how to do that. It's very uncomfortable. They feel awkward. So they just rather just do more of the work and guilty stops. But before I go anywhere, and I, I was watching you, Linda, while Drew was just talking about that. So I, I like I don't want to say what, what I, I saw do? because I could be wrong. But no, like what it. no, but what 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 does <laughs> when Drew says that, yeah, I just like to take on a lot of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> what 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 is your thought when he's saying that? Well, yeah, I I trust that you're um, aware of your body and how you feel, but to a certain extent, because when you're just run down, you're you're less, you become less aware. Um, but there's there's that aspect of it, and then there's of course like our relationship as we're trying to start a family, like you know, like time is an objective thing as much as it is made up. Our our energy is you know. Like when you're saying yes to one thing, you're saying no or half a yes to another thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so we are working towards being more aware of that. Um, yeah, when, when we end up our time together, it usually ends up coming at the end of the day. And when I we're definitely, like depleted. yeah, we're depleted yeah. of energy. So it's not really quality time the same way we would want. And, and I'll admit, I mean, we both would admit the biggest arguments we get into, any sort of marital fight that we get into comes down to my work schedule. And so, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, yeah. What what I really hear underneath this is this work is the priority. There's a ton of versions of it, but this is the priority. It's a priority over your health, which genuinely concerns Linda. Um, not so much today, right now. You're gonna you're gonna keel over tomorrow but that there's a, a deep enough pattern that she thinks she can foresee a time where it actually requires that kind of big implosion to change. That's the first concern. But the second concern underneath this that I hear in you, Linda, is like, yeah, but my relationship is me. I am also not going to be first. Mm-hmm. There's like the work is always, always going to be first because if you can hire 10 more people, you can have 100 people, you can have 1,000 people, but if the work is still the priority, there'll still never be enough of you mm-hmm. 
to be able to really be fully healthy and fully, mm-hmm. you know, here and there'll never be enough left over. I'm still mm-hmm. in the leftover capacity. Right. So there's a, just a prioritization question mm-hmm. yeah. that I see. Linda, did I put words in your mouth? Oh, a hun- mm. no, no, no. Like you took words out of my mouth. A hundred percent. Yeah. Are you available for weekly therapy sessions? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just- no, a hundred percent. It makes it makes me wish that Anna was here. I actually <laughs> feel like we were choosing one way or another to do it, but I wish she was here because she would also say, be able to say, well, yeah, Greg, that's true. You're struggling with this thing or that <laughs> thing. And it wouldn't feel so much like, me me sitting here comfortable <laughs> no, no, but you know, while you know, I'm putting the burden on. You know what's funny? Like uh, it's uh, when we, we talked about this just this week that isn't it funny? All of us, human beings, it's a human thing. We so easily see something that's wrong or something that needs to be changed or fixed in someone else. Yeah. But in ourselves, a lot of times we just can't see it. And, and it can be an obvious thing. I can give the advice of something to somebody else, but I just don't see it myself. And, but anyway, for our relationship, I mean, that really, I, I do say like my top priority is family, is Linda. But our, what, you know, what we really realize is when we talk about all the things that are happening in my life, I'm not showing that that's my priority. Yeah, if we objectively look at our calendar right now, it would scare It would most very people. clearly show and illustrate that work is the priority. Um, and I, and I know that is a reality for, uh, you know, a lot of people, but I think that is something that we have to learn how to break out of. ADT now professionally installs Google Nest products with their smart home security systems because ADT believes the smarter the home, the safer the security. Help protect what matters most with 24-7 professional monitoring from ADT and a little help from Google. You said that very professionally. I try. (laughs) Visit ADT.com to see how ADT can help you make your home smarter and safer. It's, it's It's a... A game that we want, like the cover of your book, Effortless. I am that squiggly line of everything. Linda has a... In in my notes, I made a doodle. Okay. Okay, We'll post a picture of this for anybody listening. Okay. Okay. I Explain it. It was when I was reading the part about effortless state and all of... um, And how we are slowed down, you know, like your computer. Um, Uh Uh-huh. When you have like so many things open and within a oh, few clicks. Oh, that's better. That's better. With, okay, I see. Yeah. So what's the red in that? Oh, well, you'll see when you, there you go. When you remove the clutter, that's beneath uh, it all. That was you, my note. You created <laughs> a more beautiful version of that, of that page where it's like underneath the effortless state there, or under, underneath all the clutter, all the suffering, all the noise, all the chaos, there is an effortless state. You've yeah. created an image of like when you when you're whole, that's what that image is, right? You there's love, mm, there's yeah. presence. Yeah. And lightness. I like that, that Linda's yeah. showing too that that is that me? I assume that's me. That's any <laughs> is it anyone? Anyone? I see that there's there's a a shine to your mind. It's almost like a calmness with the flowers as well as your heart. And a smile on the face. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I want to like ask a question here, but I don't quite know what it is. The, it's not a new problem. Mm-hmm. You've heard it before. You've, you've heard it from each other before. Right. 
you're not saying, Linda, you're not saying to Drew, you're getting this all wrong. You're getting your life all wrong. You, you love him for that dynamism, that desire to make a contribution to the world, to reach out, to create great things. Like You love that about mm-hmm. him. But, you know, this is, this is the feeling. I think it's one of the symbols, and you've, I'm sure you've heard it before. It's a mindfulness classic story. And it's, um, uh, it's, it's like where somebody's on a horse, and they're like galloping away and the person yells out like, where are you going? And he's like, I don't know, ask the horse. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, I think that feels like about the sensation I'm having as I listen to you is this ability to do and to make things happen is a gift, right? It's a gift, mm. but it makes a better servant than it does a master. Yeah. Right. But- Meaning, yeah. If if you if you if your ability to make stuff happen and to create and to build and to grow, right? And no one can question that that's an ability. That's mm-hmm. a, an ability you have, a talent, a gift that you have, Drew. But if you let that strength consume everything, right? It's a little bit like electricity. You know, electricity can either light up the world or it can burn up the world. Mm-hmm. And it's like there's this strength, this ability that you have that if if it if you're not careful, it's going to burn you up. You aren't mm-hmm. going to see it, but it's going to do it. It's the the place I think you might need to look as a litmus test. You, you know, your is 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 it burning up your relationship? Because mm-hmm. <laughs> that will burn up faster than you. Yeah. Right. Am I using this to 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 light things up, or is it burning? me up and us mm-hmm. up. The question I'm transforming in my head is like, really, what is the priority? Mm-hmm. It's a question for you, Drew. Really, like, don't don't say the words, mm-hmm. yes, no, it really is my family, it's Linda, it really is, I'm just not, my schedule just isn't doing it. Is it really? Because you could choose, like, isn't the whole point of being an entrepreneur in the first place that you can choose the life you want? Mm. Like you, you could just work for someone else and you can have a, a mm. life, but then somebody else dictates your schedule and <clears throat> what you do. It isn't the point. Anna and I just had this conversation. That's why I wish she was here. Like I said, we were on a we were on a walk and she was saying this. She's like, that's why you started your own business. So you can choose when to work and when not to work and have the life you want. But if you don't deliberately put boundaries in your life, have a day, nothing scheduled on this day. She's mm-hmm. done that now. She's put it on my calendar. She'll go in and she'll be like, do not schedule this yes, day. Yes, Anna. <laughs> yeah. Right? Nothing gets scheduled here. And then other windows elsewhere. No, this whole period, no. Mm-hmm. And we aren't doing as well as as we want to be. Uh, we just started a calendaring meeting each week. It sounds so basic. So have we. We did too. We just started a week ago. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's just like so, it, it, it's such a necessary part of getting on the same page with this. But I think... One of the things that we're doing is like tr- starting to block out like, okay, this, these weeks, these periods, like we're not doing anything. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter how important it is. It doesn't matter, it doesn't matter what the opportunity is. Though we are out. We're just that is a vacation, two weeks. We are doing two weeks and nothing. We're not flying, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, a, a person who thinks they can do anything, right? Because often they can. We'll say, oh, well, listen, even in the middle of our vacation, I can just quick fly to this place and be back. It'll be the same day. We'll sort it all out. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, 
you could anything is possible. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And what it really means is like nothing ever, there's no boundaries on anything. And so I think that's where I, I like want to, I want to say like, if this is the priority, prove it with the boundaries. Yes. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yes. In your book, Everless, you talk about the importance of having that rhythm and that cadence of, you know, there is a time to push and work hard. Sometimes there will be all-nighters, you know, that's a natural thing with with entrepreneurs. Um, but you also have to, like, my response to that is yes, and yes, you, all artists have this gift to give incredible things to to the planet to make it a better place. But you, and you also have to take that time for yourself to replenish those mm-hmm. gifts so that you can continue giving. Mm-hmm. And we haven't allowed ourselves that time to replenish. I haven't made I haven't made that a habit either. I think the reframe I would have there's a, there's, a, there's a few, but w- but one of them for you, Drew, is that the very purpose that you feel you came to Earth to do, which I think you believe includes your family. It's not like you think it's all out there versus my family. Mm-hmm. In t- is like you feel like there's a whole set of things that you need to do. You could you could easily end up not achieving any of them by virtue of approaching this in the wrong way. Mm-hmm. That, you, that you could get to a point where somewhere midlife or even 10 years from now, you find yourself, and, and I don't mean to say this to be, I don't mean to say it personally to you. And to, I'm just saying based on other people I have observed and watched and sometimes even worked with who end up being divorced and end up and their career sort of suddenly finally stagnates and so on. It's like, Burnout isn't just physical to you right now. Everything can burn out. Mm. And so you have this, it's like, are you playing the game so it can continue to crescendo? Mm -hmm. Or do you burn it so bright, so strong now that you're just like, no, I can't do it anymore. I'm done. I actually reached the point by the time you reached it there, or or someone, or or Linda does gets. I, I'm done. I can't. I'm not doing this for another ten years. I'm not doing it for twenty more years. Like these things really happen, and so you could end up not achieving your mission in life precisely because you're approaching it in a certain way. Mm. So it's yeah. not your motives. I think that are wrong. It's not. It's not your mission that's wrong. I don't think it's. I don't think it's Linda's trying to keep you from that mission and trying mm-hmm. to keep you from fulfilling your potential is that she's bringing her wisdom as a woman, as good, wise person, as an observer going, the, all these pieces aren't, they're not the right balance right now. Mm-hmm. And and so the benefit is, I think, and I struggle with all of everything we're talking about myself, um, but when I'm listening to Anna talk, I'm like, yeah, she's wise. She senses the future and has foresight. And and if I can value myself uniquely and her uniquely and say, look, let's together use our strengths to come up with a solution that's better than either of us have currently, you can create something that is both sustainable for the family, sustainable for mm-hmm. your health, and helps you to be around for the long run mm-hmm. in, in, in the work out there as well. I think there is a way to approach that Mm-hmm. But it does require, so, so yeah, I, I've talked a lot to make the point I'm making, but the main point is if you don't change the way you do it, you might end up not achieving the mission that so drives you anyway. Right. Yeah, Most yeah. Your reactions. 100%. I mean, it's everything you said makes total sense. And 
I think it's going to be um, continually reinforcing new habits and uh, new outlook with what we're doing and the process of what we're doing, the order of how we're doing things and the magnitude of each piece of that puzzle. It's, it's a big, mm -hmm. and a I think you game. give a good example of that. Um, in the book, you share your experience of, of this very important presentation uh, <laughs> or keynote that you had to give and yeah. you overthought it, you overworked it um, to a point where you were, um, you were not adding value to it because you were not thinking straight. Um, and it was to your detriment of, of that of that business relationship or, or that particular event. Um, totally. Yeah, there is a point of diminishing returns. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's a point of diminishing returns. I mean, that what what happened is I just completely bombed the presentation. Uh, they canceled the next two presentations I would have done for them, and the whole opportunity of being in a long term relationship with a great tech company on the you know already well known but still in a massive growth cycle would have been right there at the seat of the table with the top leaders helping them grow and become what they could be. All of that was right there for the taking. And I simply overstrived my way to failure. Mm. The night before, I'm like, well, yes, but what if I did a presentation on this subject? That I mean, they'd already approved it. I needed to do nothing but turn up the next day. Everything had been printed, ready, done. All I had to do was the easiest possible path and I would have succeeded. Mm -hmm. And it would have been a home run. I, I was well-tested material. I, I Just nothing to be done. Uh, but instead, the night before, let's do something new. And I did not an all-nighter. Um, I'm like absolutely 100% committed against doing that in my life uh, now. Um, but I did stay up hours and hours, redid the slides, redid the, pres the, the, the handouts, I'm driving there, literally like calling, going, hey, I've just emailed you new slides. Can you mm. print those up? So the whole thing was less professional, mm. totally untested. The presentation was a disaster. I couldn't, I didn't know what my slides were. I kept having to turn around to even see my slides. One of the slides put someone off and they like completely disagreed. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't prepared because it was all new material to like know even how to handle it. It was so awkward. <clears throat> and... Yeah, if you take that story writ large, that's that that is kind of the challenge. Mm -hmm. And to get honest about, am I reaching, um, it, you know, in my life as a whole, or just even each day, a point of diminishing returns? Mm -hmm. And even more than that, am I ever reaching negative returns? Right. Because I reached negative returns the second I started working on a new presentation. I was already in negative returns. I was making it yeah. worse every second I spent after that was making the whole outcome worse. Mm -hmm. And when I wrote when I wrote effortless, if I wrote for two hours a day, that was optimal. First two hours of my working day, just focused on that, I could make a lot of progress. If I do three hours, the third hour I would make progress, but less mm -hmm. per hour. If I moved into beyond that four, five, six, seven hours, if I ever did that, I was making the whole manuscript worse. Right. Literally, I'd have, it would have been better if I hadn't written anything that day than worked that many hours because everything was going was getting worse. It's to figure out what is when do I reach diminishing returns and stop. So actually choosing a time, mm -hmm. and maybe it's not 100% of the time you do this, but a time of the day when you go, I'm stopping right there. I'm having a boundary. Mm-hmm. Based on on this experience, I will not do work past that time. Maybe you have a twenty five percent leeway. Mm -hmm. 
where sometimes you go, well, this is a push moment. This is the thing. But for 75% of the time, I mean, like actually you write it down, you keep a track of it. 75% of the time I'm done at this, at this hour. Pinky you swearing that? that. Yes. You see that? It's a pinky swear. Yeah. Serious. But what's the time? What's 70, the time? Seventy-five percent of the time, we will be finished work by eleven p.m. A hundred percent of the time. Wait, we'll work on the numbers. Um, <laughs> the numbers mattered, yeah, right? The commitment yeah. was easy till we specific. talk about the numbers. Yeah. I want to go back. Uh, so you know, we've talked. Oh, about- hold on, hold on. We're not going back. We're at a special <laughs> moment. This. So right, time you to pinky be done swore today. on something. So wait, which which commitment do we want to make here with this? What are, what, are, when are you going to be done with work? What is your done time each day? I think a good quality done time would be, as we're doing this interview, it's almost 8 p.m. Uh, <laughs> and I this would, is one of my 25%. I have been, I, I'm going to say this. No, I got to give background to give you, to, to give you in, hopefully inspiration. I didn't used to have this. I came across a guy called Ben Bergeron who had read Essentialism and has applied it in tons of ways that I hadn't. And one of them is he had a 525 on the dot end of his workday because that allowed him to be in his car at 5.30 and home by 6. That was his commitment. And he kept it in an Excel document. And that's where the 75% comes from because I interviewed him on, mm. on the What's Essential podcast and got all the details, like how did you really do it? And he said, I tracked it for like two or three years oh, and wow. I averaged 75%. And I'm like, okay, wow. well, that's good enough then. That's impressive. 75%, but it was mm. 525. So he would get up in the middle of a meeting because everyone knows this is non-negotiable. He's made the decision once. He doesn't have to remake it every single day. He just gets up and he walks to the door. Like he starts packing his laptop up and he just talks until he walks out the door. Everyone <laughs> knows. I was inspired by that. I chose five o'clock not to outdo him. I just knew, knew the dynamics in our own family and what... If I go after five, then dinner's later and then everything's later. And I do like a town crier. I walk out the door and I'm like, it's 5.01 or it's like 5.23. And like, you don't want to say 5.23. You want to say right. five. And so you're held accountable to that, to the whole home. And so there we go. That's a, that's a story now. Okay. What's your time? I say six o'clock is a good time. 75% of the time by six o'clock Work is done. Can that's we a great do that? time. Should, is that being unrealistic to start too low? Too too. I no, thought I you were going to say seven. I thought I was going to say eight. Um, <laughs> but okay, let's let's say that, and we should start tracking. Well, we have our calendar, so we can track. Wait, Linda's so, really happy with this. I'm She's like very so happy. happy with this outcome. She's so glad we didn't go back. To a previous subject right? before making the pinky promise mean Ow. something. Ow, this, she's squeezing my pinky, pinky so me. hard. <laughs> I, I want to, uh, which will tie into this as well. We we spoke about effortless state. We spoke about yep. effortless action. But can you talk a little more about effortless results? I think the the thing that we really liked is about the idea of making things in your life automated or evolve from that hundred step process to a one step process. Can you give us some examples uh, as well? Yeah, I mean, the basically, I think life changes the day you discover the difference between linear results and residual results. One of the examples of a linear result in my life is where I would do a keynote for a company, fly there, and you, it's just a it's a one time thing. It's I enjoy doing it. That's why I've carried on doing it in my life. But I suddenly realized that is linear, mm-hmm. one time effort, one time result. And I, I realized that that's just crazy. Like, I want to be doing work where you do it once, you create something once, maybe 
it takes a little more work up front to create it, but then it exists in perpetuity. And, and this is why I, I mean, I should think of a different example to illustrate it, but I did start an academy. It's just barely begun, but an essentialism academy. And that's why I started it was I was like, I'm, ne- I'm never doing this again where I'm just teaching and then only the people in the room hear it and that's the end of the impact. I mm-hmm. want to put a portion of my energies into creating things that work so that people, I mean, people have signed up from all over the place, uh, you know, scores of countries at least now, uh, mm-hmm. maybe, it's, maybe it's 50 countries already. Wow. And it's like, they're just every day, somebody's, somebody's signing up. It's just a free online thing that they, they can do if they order effortless they can get this 21 day challenge for free yeah um and and it's so what's marvelous about it is just this sense of i don't do anything with it now i don't touch it but the impact goes on mm-hmm. and, and and writing a book is a residual result so that yeah. is an evidence that's one of the places i have done it and i've seen the effect of it is that is that someone can be right now reading essentialism somebody not quite yet, but but soon can be reading effortless. Like I, I, I could literally, it sounds morbid, but I mean, I can die tomorrow. These things can continue. Mm-hmm. That's residual impact. And the power is so much more than is obvious because if you set something up in a residual way, then it cannot just give you a 10X or 100X, but a 1,000X response. Yeah. And it's not even an exaggeration to say that. And, and, and so it's once you get into a certain mindset about this, where you say, look, how can I operate in a way that I can act once, but set a system up in motion for in perpetuity? It, it, it's just such a game changer. The math is just unbelievable. You know, that's where you can get to a thousand X impact without working a thousand times harder. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's an example that did impact me when I first years ago started learning about residual impact. I'm like, yeah, Oprah didn't, she doesn't work a thousand times harder than someone else. I care about impact. I mean, that's what I'm driven by. And I think, yeah, she's reaching, she was at one time reaching a hundred million people a week. That's crazy, mm-hmm. right? That's crazy. Well, she's not working a thousand times harder than anybody else. She's just not. She's not working a million times harder. If you can set the system up, it will, it will return to you a thousand times. If you can find one thing that's irritating you and is a problem for you in your life that you can fix, like you can make it never happen again. Just one day, just start paying attention to small things that bother you and that you notice and make a list. You don't have to even immediately do anything about it. Just have a list. And then simply go through that list. You look at it, every item, and you just go, what could I do in two minutes to solve that problem? Mm. Oh, I love this. Could, could, could I do something in literally timed two minutes? And, uh, and and maybe you can't solve the whole problem in two minutes, but you can make a lot of progress sometimes on these things. You know, you can figure yeah. out what the first action is you need to take and you can make that phone call. I had a health thing that's just ridiculous health thing. It's not, it's not a big thing, but it, that's the point. It's lived, I've lived with it for like 30 years. And mm. finally I'm like, oh my goodness, why are you still dealing with this? It's, it's, it's easily fixable. And I was, mm. um, and so it just, I was, what's the first physical obvious step you can take well, that's to sign on to the health provider and and send an email to the doctor. Done. And I could do that within two minutes, maybe maybe 10 minutes. I call 10 minutes as a microburst. Uh, certainly within 10 minutes, I could do the entire thing and put it in motion. And mm. it, it's just like not living with it, not going, I have to deal with, you know, this is just yeah. life. And, and so so th- those, are, those are a few things that get people going but the whole final third section of the book is all about this like all the different ways that you can make one effort produce many 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 
results. This is the favor. one thing that everyone in our group sort of teases me about it, but they actually love. I think they love because <laughs> I, I am Do the you know efficiency king. Them? And right. for me, I say all the time with everything, I'm like, this thing we're doing here, how can we do this in a tenth of the time? Or how can we make this more efficient? And so uh, yeah, you are good at that. that's the one effortless uh, stage that I am pretty decent at. Yeah, you're results driven. And yeah, I, I love the the microbursts and the, um, you know, like what is the obvious step? Um, mm. I just cleaned my office uh, it took a year Her of just room. like staring at it, closing the door and then opening the door right. again the next day. I'm like, ugh, not today. But I did right. the thing where, um, you know, you just start with one thing. Um, right. And put it in its place, donate it, whatever. It looks um, great and it's now. amazing now. It has, I will admit <laughs> I'm, I am like the organization guy in this relationship, like the, between the two of us. She's this creative chaos in her craft room and stuff. And now her craft room is spotless and perfect. And I rub and it in my office face. is not. So uh, <laughs> yeah, so that, that, that will be on my list. But I, I, I like this point about just like, you know, coming back to it. Don't, don't get overwhelmed by it. Discard one thing right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything we do in life begins with one physical, actual, obvious step. Mm-hmm. And so we don't have to be, when we tend to be overwhelmed is when we go, oh, I've got a hundred steps. There's a thousand things. There's so much. There's two days to do it. What is the actual first physical, literal step gets us going? And and uh, and and often people don't haven't defined that. They haven't spent mm-hmm. a minute or two just getting clear on that. And so they just, you know, that's what, you know, you procrastinate it, you don't get to it, you don't, uh, and, and then your your action isn't effortless. It's just procrastination and it yeah. just doesn't happen and, you know, make progress. One thing you should not get rid of is your copy of Effortless. When you, <laughs> when you get it, whoever's listening, um, honestly, I, I do feel that, I, I actually feel what would be great is for everybody to grab, uh, whether it's the audiobook or a hard copy of um, Essentialism, and then read effortless because together the two of them really do, they're the yin and yang. Like they really do speak to each other. And for me, it made a lot of sense together. So um, we really appreciate your time and inspiring us. And again, these these chats, you know, are usually supposed to be, you know, like 30 to 40 minutes. <laughs> the last one we did together was four and a half hours. <laughs> This one is already creeping up on an hour and a half. So, it's, and this is within your twenty five percent allowance yeah. of uh, you know. It is. After the it's 5 the, PM. No, this this is the only. This is the. Uh, if Anna was here, she keep me honest here. I think it's the only time that, and even in the last week or two, that I have said yes to a work thing after after my normal normal hours. And uh, and I think it is fine. You don't need to have a hundred percent stringent, mm-hmm. but you don't want it to become the norm right. that you just go on and on. And a lot yeah. of people do right now mm-hmm. in, the, in COVID times, especially. By the way, anybody who is a podcast lover, we hope you are because you're listening to At Home, you should check out What's Essential. Uh, Greg, tell us a little bit about um, what launched your podcast. You launched last year, right? I did. And I've been thinking about doing it for a while. Uh, but I mean, I actually, I mean, COVID definitely just helped get over the path because it was something that could be done in this environment. But uh, but also, I just was, I kind of was tired of having conversations with people that I thought were meaningful, but it's just like me and them. So it's like the residual thing again. Mm. Now I get to have this pretty similar conversations I had before, but now lots of people can participate in it. Mm. 
And so we've had lots of everyday people who just come on and talk about what makes effort, essentialism hard for them and how we can make it effortless, like lots of episodes about that. Well, obviously, both of you were on the show. Thank mm-hmm. you. Uh, it was a therapy so session, fun. honestly. Like, it was Another one. <laughs> speaking with you and uh, uh, and then we also were talking with Anna as well. It was really, it was really great. I, I just love that. It's what you're saying about the residual effect. There are so many aspects of our lives, everybody's lives, um, where we could benefit from that. And I do appreciate the same with at home, how we're able to have these great, inspiring conversations and educational conversations for and us. And share it with. And share it with the world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Are you ready uh, for some speed round? Go. All right. What meal makes you feel at home and who cooked it? Okay, I have an answer to that. And if Anna was here, she would might even slap me. Oh. Um, it's uh, It's fish and chips that Anna made for me years ago, and I didn't even like the meal. And now that's not quite true. I did like it, but it wasn't like fish and chips from England. And that is true. That's different. Mm-hmm. And so she never has made it since. But whenever I think about her having made this, she might not even know this. It's just like so beautiful that she did it and that she wanted to do it. Aww. And I, I think that's, that, is a, that is a meal that was someone, you know, uh, who is just trying, to, just trying to make something that reminded me of home. Uh, you, were, you can't buy here. You are the first person who has answered that question, our first guest who answered that question, and the favorite meal was because of a memory of the meal and not just because of the taste of a meal. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. Uh, and by I the can... way, the reason you can tell her that it didn't taste like the official um, fish and chips back home is because she didn't wrap it in newspaper. That's it? Yeah, that's it. That's all it is. <laughs> that's, that's what it is. That's what it is. What song reminds you of home? Um... It's Hotel California. Uh, that's funny also if Anna was here because she, she, would, she doesn't like that song especially because it reminds her of something totally different in her life. But it reminds me of home in a different way than is obvious. It doesn't remind me of like the home I grew up in or anything like that. But my best friend um, was uh, Sam Bridgestock. And uh, it's, you know, friendship is rare, isn't it? Deep friendship yeah. is rare. It is, yeah. What's your perfect Sunday morning at home? I often have um, like meetings, like <laughs> like church meetings, um, like going to church, but also even before that, there'll be meetings like with various responsibilities. It's not it's all unpaid work, but you just can be asked to do various different responsibilities. So I've spent a lot of my mornings, Sunday mornings, doing those kinds of things. So actually not very chill. So whenever there aren't those meetings and I'm just like, just get two or three hours with, with Anna and I would just don't have to run off anywhere. I love that. Mm. That is, is, is surprisingly rare, right? Really? Yeah. Doing nothing is rare. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't it? Yeah. What's one habit that's really hard for you to break? Do we need Anna on this one? <laughs> <laughs> I got lots of examples. I'm just thinking of what's what's interesting. Um, uh, one habit is one habit is if I wake up in the morning, I just I'm up, and that sounds like a nice thing, but it's a it's pretty inconvenient, you know. So like even if I've got to bed late, I will wake up. I don't know six o'clock maybe for sure, no matter how late it is. And I'm mm. just awake. That's it. There's no going back to sleep. Very occasionally I've learned how to go back. Mm. But that's a habit I wish I could break on command. You know, mm. like, okay, you are going to be shattered today, so you're going to go back to sleep. And I find I find that pretty tricky. Mm. 
It's not that. It's not. It doesn't feel that dramatic, but it actually adds up. No, it, yeah. yeah, it would. It definitely would. Name last one. Name three things on your bedside table. I think there are only three things on my bedside table: oh. um, lamp, uh, an old sort of fashioned like clock. Uh, <laughs> these are bore, so boring, and a coaster uh, for for drinking tea or whatever. Very proper. That's it. Very proper. I can tell you on on my bedside table: essentialism, effortless, and then. A second copy of Essentialism. Yeah, that's it. That's it. I, I believe. I, I which almost is not essential, that. or which is not an, an effortless. <laughs> Too many things. But uh, anyway, I I thank you so much for taking the time to to chat with us. We could go on for hours. And I actually, I find it very hard to believe that we have never actually met in person. Obviously, we oh met gosh. just before the pandemic. It doesn't feel that way. It's weird, actually. Yeah, so. Actually, I remember so well that conversation that was that we that we spent, you know, all those hours because we did them back to back. And they mm-hmm. both were long. Yeah. Like we both, mm-hmm. we didn't, like they, and, and, uh, and I just, I felt like I came away from it. Just like, we really heard this like all friends now. We're like it was a really cool experience of of like just losing ourselves yeah. in conversation, mm-hmm. and it it was it really was nice. And I agree, it's weird. It is kind of weird. Yeah. We felt oh, the uh, same way. We uh, we were, you know, just beaming from having that conversation for weeks after that. And I remember sitting in in the attic. Um, sitting area yeah and yeah. the it went from day to night yeah. by the time we finished the conversation that's right yeah. <laughs> that's so, right it was like the sun setting yeah. it was just like a, it was a very it was a beautiful thing and the conversations we talked about i remember the the the, the big breakthrough thing was like home it's about home like mm-hmm. that's the strategic direction for multiple years in the future and you said we'll talk about it sometime like how have we done like five years from now do you remember that? Yeah. Oh, I do. Yeah. yeah. It's like our, that conversation ended. It was like uh, driving into the sunset. And we yeah. knew there would be a sequel to that movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it feels like home. We need new habits. We need new habits. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm on strike in my own head. Drew's uh, very excited. I'm very excited. No, but the, ha- the habit recipe that Greg talks about, I think that's a great thing. If we complain... We have to say one thing that we're grateful for. Yeah, that's a great reminder. Okay, what's something that you complained about in the past week and how can you balance that out with um, a gratitude? Okay, I was complaining that our nieces were being too loud when they were playing with the chessboard. And so I would say though that I'm grateful that they now live in the same city as us in our neighborhood so we get to spend more time with them because they're adorable. Yeah, don't be such a grouch. (laughs) Grouch And they're playing chess. Like, how cool is that? Well, they're playing with a chess board. They're not exactly playing chess. Still, <laughs> they're playing ver- their version of chess, and True. that's really neat. Um, something that I've been complaining about, um, that I'm always tired. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know if it's a complaint or just like I stating like, I'm tired. That's a complaint. <laughs> um, but I am, on the flip side, I'm grateful that I can recognize that I need rest. But then you don't take it. You have to uh, take it. If you need... True. I'm trying to state a gratitude. Hey, wait. Let me tell you though. Okay. If you need a midday nap, which I call my old man nap, you need to mm-hmm. take that. Because just like we learned from everything Greg says, you're not being effective with your time if you're mm-hmm. burnt out or exhausted. Take the downtime. It'll help the uptime. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> but not right now. <laughs> um, you know, relaxation is a competency, which is another thing that Greg said. And I strongly believe that relaxation is not something that comes easy. You actually, if you're like me, you have to practice it. I, I need to put in my head that idea that that relaxation will actually help recharge me to be more effective. Mm -hmm. I feel like we just need an annual check-in therapy session with Greg and Anna. <laughs> yeah. Um, annual, biannual, monthly. When you say annual, you mean every other day, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, it's just, oh, it's like we know all these things, but like, why don't we do it? Baby steps. This is why you need the book. Everyone grab the book, yeah. Effortless and Essentialism. It will dramatically change your life. It's changed how we um, structure our business with our employees and everybody too. So it, it's definitely worth it. Oh, the other thing that is very cool with this is that Linda and I have set a boundary. It's Finishing cool. 75% of the time in our week, we will finish work. Well, we said by six and then we change it to seven. 75% of the time, we're going to finish work by seven. Well, I mean... I don't think the goal is to hit the 75%, right? Like no. your goal is to hit the hundred and then the, we can allow ourselves, you know, some exactly. leeway and that's the 25%. Exactly. Now, what time is it right now? Um. Yes. So I'm going to say that we're going to try to stick to it. So we should wrap up. It's 9.40 PM. Yeah. Uh, so we are going to wrap up, but thank you again to our guest, Greg McEwen. Absolutely you, Greg. inspiring talking to you. And everybody else out there, thank you for joining us. We love spending this time with you every week. Yeah, and we want to hear what you want to make more effortless in your life. Mm -hmm. And we do love to hear from you on Apple Podcasts. So please rate and comment and let us know what you think of At Home. And a huge thank you to our homies, Brandon Angelino, Annalie Bell, Hannah Fan, Courtney Iwanis, West Friend, Chris Cobain, Jessica Bryant Harvey, and Nicole Schachter. Our theme music for At Home is by Victoria Shaw and Chad Carlson. And music is composed and produced by Rick Russo. Thank you so much for listening. And if you do enjoy our podcast, be sure to subscribe and rate us. Always rate us. We love you rating and commenting. Yeah, we actually like your feedback. And to you, thank you. Thank you, love you. Love you.